0: Let's talk about. The Let's talk about baby. <laughs> Let's talk about and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad. Man, we've been having some fun lately, haven't we? Yeah, we're working on a new project. Yeah, can't wait till we can talk about it. We can talk about. Can it. Can we talk about it? I don't know. Why don't like, you just give a little, little tiddly Okay, next little
1: week. tiddly-biddly.
0: <laughs> well, listen, it should be out in. Uh, I guess we got about five weeks. It might be out sooner secret url only we know i was wondering this can you like can can you like look and see all the urls that are registered to a person and then like find out what urls they own
1: uh i there's like a a who is database so you can search like domains but you're they do like this privacy thing which is like oh that's right you have it's basically proxy it's it's like a like a lawyer it's a physical form of a proxy. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um,
0: yeah. Reverse proxy lawyer in Delaware. Hide <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all your URLs. Anyways, we're not going to be talking about it this time, but we have a new project we're working on. It's related to videos and websites.
1: It's going to be awesome. It's going to be so it'll, awesome. it'll be a secret URL, and maybe we'll like release it to like podcast listeners. That's a great idea, actually. Just we'll drip it out in all our little channels. That's a great idea. There's nothing worse than listening to a podcast where the hosts are like, I have a great story, but I can't tell you about it. I'll tell you it's like you just feel like you're not in the room. You know that's so. true.
0: We don't want to give them uh, <laughs> digital blue balls. Um. <laughs> one, one way to describe it. Well, it's uh, let's let's basically we have a video website. Let's just we have blue a video up. website, and you know we've been talking about our video course and uh, about doing it as like a Gumroad one-off purchase. But we decided, you know what? We want to get back to our roots, our Ember Map roots. This podcast used to be called the Ember Map Podcast, uh, where we talked about Ember. And we still kind of do sometimes in the sense that it's related to the work we've done. We've been doing Ember for a long time. Some listeners are OG Ember fans. But uh, now we're kind of broadening out. And uh, we renamed this podcast to Front End First. And uh, our website with videos, Ember Map, is basically... um, the first stage of this new project. So, that's kind of uh, that's kind of what we're working on now. And yeah. I think in about a month we're going to have some some cool stuff to show everybody. So I'm really excited about it. Super excited. Yeah, those early early stage project uh, adrenaline. You know, the late nights. I was up till like two thirty last night. Couldn't help myself playing around the logos, playing around the frame of motion. You know, I've got more tools to distract myself yeah. now than I did five years ago yeah. when we started Ember Map. So it's uh, it's a little dangerous. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about some, uh, some real hard technical topics here. What do, we, what do we got going on today?
1: Let's talk about uh, TypeScript and Graphi- GraphQL. Nice. Because it's right. something I set up this week, and uh, it was a pretty fun journey. So Cool. I think like, how do I start this? I think like, um, I don't know, a month ago or so, we saw like some videos with TR- TRPC, and it was really cool how you get... Um, where it's like end-to-end type safety. So you have like your Prisma schema and then you get that bit. basically like those types flow all the way down to your React components. So like from the database uh, to React, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Like those videos were awesome that we saw.
0: You have yeah, like a string first name on your user table and then like you're writing client-side JavaScript and it's like user
1: dot first name. Yeah, and it, it, it knows type. it's a string. Yeah, So all string. the <laughs> string functions work. And I think the biggest thing for me here, it's like, one thing I've kind of realized about TypeScript is like, uh, this might sound stupid, but like I don't really care about type safety. I care about editor autocomplete, right? And so that's like when I saw that feature of like database to React code auto completing everywhere, I just knew I wanted that, right? And we've been using uh, GraphQL with Hasura for what like the past year, two years maybe. Mm-hmm. And so when we see this like autocomplete stuff, we're like, there's there's no way that can't work for GraphQL because like. Asura has a GraphQL schema. Uh, GraphQL itself is typed. It's typed, yeah. I mean, this
0: is like before TypeScript was cool. When GraphQL came out, <laughs> it was like, you know, and we had, we've had we been through all sorts of uh, eras of JSON schemas and validators where, yeah, you have a payload, but like you still have to validate it and know what you have and what you don't have. ORMs, both in the client and the server, try to protect you from this. But, you know, JSON is like the wild west. HTTP is the wild west. And so that stuff was always a leaky part of the abstraction, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas when using active record and rails, you don't really care. The format of the data that comes back from SQL, it's going to be wrapped up in active record models and you're going to be good to go because that stuff was like airtight. Yeah. But we're making our own SQLs on the web via JSON API. We're we're
1: crossing this HTTP boundary. How can you possibly know what's, it's so low level. How can you possibly know what's coming over? Right. Yep.
0: So, so the GraphQL being typed was a cool thing. Yeah because it addressed this. And the GraphQL spec is so um, complete that if you have a server that doesn't respond correctly to the request in the typed way that it's supposed to be, At the server level, it's going to say this was like a badly formed request, or I don't have these attributes. Whereas we never had anything like that in any API that we wrote
1: ourselves by hand, right? Right, because they're all ad hoc. Exactly. Oh, I'm just going to throw this property on you. Exactly.
0: Okay. Cool. cool. So, so that's how like that's kind of like the first time we were introduced to like typings over the wire in a sense. You know, even when we were doing mocking with Mirage, it was like you could load up GraphQL uh, server, GraphQL JS. And get something that said like, "Oh, you have a bad request." Whereas every JSON API app we ever wrote never
1: had that. Ah, uh, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. The the server at the edge at the edge <laughs> at the boundary. <laughs> Go back eight yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. no at edge ba- <laughs> at the boundary. The server couldn't say this is a bad request. The server would just take the request, hand it to your code, and then your code would just error because you sent the string where it was expecting a number. Exactly.
0: So just like we've been learning with TypeScript the most valuable part way to use TypeScript is to enforce types at the edges of the boundaries. And so you have the type safety going through the program in the same way you want this, but we didn't have it before. So you'd have those loose types kind of going through and there'd be a problem because it was your server. I mean, how many consulting projects we worked on where the guy who's working on the node server is like sending a bad version. It's like pluralized instead of not, it has an underscore instead of a camel case and that's causing problems everywhere. Yeah. So GraphQL was really cool for that reason for us because you get it
1: right away right as the request okay cool
0: exactly cool. and then it enabled tools like Hasura which we liked because you just create the, the database and the relationships and then because it has a schema it just gives you a schema and now I know exactly what requests I can make and exactly what data I get back so what you did was
1: basically took that across the finish line and bring in a TypeScript. yeah yeah so the first thing I did was um we write our GraphQL statements, like using like the GQL helper. So like you can import GQL from like GraphQL request or from GraphQL. We do it from graph, GraphQL tag. tag yeah, right, it's like right. a, tag, a template. Tag. It's but, a, a template function. Right. Um, and VS Code can know that this is like GraphQL. So it syntax highlights what's in there. And then um, mm-hmm. you can pass that to basically your GraphQL um, hooks. Use SWR. Yeah, yeah. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. But the first thing I wanted to do is, as we're writing that GQL stuff, I want that to autocomplete. So, and one of the reasons for this is Hasura gives you, when you set up Hasura, you say, like, I have an episodes table, and it's going to give you all these functions like find episode by ID, uh, all episodes. Like, that's what Hasura does. It takes your database and gives you a whole bunch of GraphQL uh, query resolvers that map to database tables mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so there's so many Hasura functions like insert one insert many like i don't know them all off the top of my head and i certainly don't know uh all the tables we have in our apps so i want all that stuff to be able to autocomplete i want to be when able to you're type, writing your query when I, I want to type query and then like ep and then i want it to just say okay you have here are your here are your queries on like the begin with episodes. And that's the way it works in like, um, graphical on hosted yeah, yeah, Hasura.
0: Yes. So what we usually do is, or what I do, at least my side projects and like on the admin site that we work on and stuff, you go to, okay, I need to make a new page where I show the episodes. You go up to graphical on your Heroku instance. And it's like a hosted, ver- it's like an admin panel. It's like, yep. it's like a, po- it's like Gra- graphical, graph- graphical. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, unless you
1: write typed GraphQL queries. Yep. And so you wanted me, that in code basically. Yeah. yeah. And to be fair, like I think I'm still going to use graphical. Like, yeah. Because graphical, it's like a UI. It's, a UI. it's yeah. um, it promotes like discoverability. Like there's dropdowns that you can right. expand and click, right. and scroll around. So I think that's really nice where it's right. hard to, I think it's hard to bring all that into an editor, even if you have autocomplete, right. Um, just being able to kind of just see everything. Right, right, right. Uh, so anyway, to do that, to set that up, this was actually like, really easy to get the auto-complete autocomplete gql that's tags. crazy so i um there's a vs code plugin extension called graphql language server okay and i already had that installed and i think the reason i had that installed was so i could get like syntax highlighting for mm-hmm. my graphql statements uh if your project has a um it's like graphql.config.js or graphql.config.json you know you know how every config file has like 15 ways the to RC name it? Dot, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's one for GraphQL. It's a JSON file and you have a schema and you just point it to it. It's like the key is schema and the value is the schema. Okay. So I downloaded the schema from Hasura, which Hasura makes super easy to do. They have a, um, a command called graph. It's like a combination of like GraphQL and curl. It's like Graph curl. Agree, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like a curl client for GraphQL. So you, they just, you just point to the ser- like the root GraphQL Exactly the, of the URL of the server. And you can get the schema. That's awesome. And so I wrote that to the project. Nice. Created this GraphQL config file, said schema is schema.graphQL, which nice. is in the root of the project done that's it really that's it. so auto, oh my gosh so auto completing as i'm typing gql queries wow yeah. so even if you did like your
0: workflow like i do on like my fitness app which uses graphql where i go a graphical copy over the thing it's still you still want that because it's typed if you had a if you had a typo even if you never use it for discovery it's it's typed you, you know if you have a bad query if you change something yes. and you re re-download the schema um, you would know if you had a missing attribute, or if you just want to add an attribute, you can just control space and
1: like see everything. That, that's unbelievable. So, that's where it was most valuable. Is I already have my query written. I got it from Graphical like three months ago right. when I wrote it. But, like, oh, I actually want to like add what was that field? It's like YouTube or YouTube ID. Right. And like just enter control space or whatever it is. Yeah. Just that is everything. awesome. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, I was like, this should be harder. Like, yeah. I, should, like I should have it's had to literally have a like a string.
0: This. It's like a template string. It's like a big chunk of string that is like conforming to some spec. How is TypeScript and VS, how is VS Code gonna know? GraphQL language server. So they're able, you can basically write like a TypeScript
1: type. That Those takes, we're not in TypeScript yet. This oh, is just, this is okay, like. got gotcha, you gotcha gotcha gotcha, like, gotcha, um, gotcha, 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 The same way that right. uh, your JavaScript language server knows that like you can like autocomplete JavaScript functions. Got gotcha. you. Um that might be a bad example, like Ruby or some yeah. type some JavaScript's like the least typed language I've worked with. But you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, your yeah. editor knows stuff about your code. Right. Um Yeah. So okay, this, cool. Okay. So this, so this was super So it's
0: not gonna type it's not gonna type error your program.
1: No, it would. I think I did get like the red squigglies if I did something that like wasn't there. It doesn't inspect your schema. It's a
0: VS Code problem. But if you ran like an MPX type check or whatever, npm run type check.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 sure there is a command line GraphQL way checker. To, yeah, I know that like ESLint. I, I I haven't set this up, but I know that ESLint it's able to like integrate with other language, language servers. Yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if there was like a, a way to get linting feedback here, but yeah, that was really cool. Um, so the next thing I wanted to do was once I have my query, be able to hand it to use SWR and basically have type information on the object I get back. So if I pass a query that gets all blog posts, I want to be able to do like, you know, data.posts.map, post and have it autocomplete post.title post.id and all, all those goodies. Um, so this was like a little more work, a little more work. I definitely like a lot of research and I asked a bunch of people and it was so funny like the the range of answers in this space is, is extremely wide. Um, the, the two things I found were uh, the first was GraphQl codegen, which I'll, I'll get to in a second because that's why I ended up using. The other was this thing called Zeus, and there were a few things like Zeus, but Zeus seemed to be like the most popular one, where uh, it basically takes your schema and generates a whole bunch of uh, JavaScript types from your schema, and then they have a client that gives you uh, basically like their own client. So you're not writing GQL statements anymore, you're using a, a client, a JavaScript client. So you mm. write all your, your GraphQL queries through like a JavaScript ORM Mm. and that thing has types based off your schema. So you're writing, you can imagine you're writing JavaScript queries that are going to a GraphQL server. They are are GraphQL. Like if you squint hard enough, you can see the GraphQL resemblance, but it is all JavaScript. Gotcha. And that was kind of like, um, I just kind of like, that was kind of the end of the Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to write, I didn't, First of all, we you have don't a bunch of GQL yeah. in this code base. Yeah. But also, uh, uh, it's like a big ask yeah. to use someone else's client. Yeah. You know, kind of like the, um, what if this king thing becomes out of date? Now I have this old client. so um, Feels like an unnecessary dependency. Yeah, I think like... You know, I want it. I like the um, how kind of like open and innovative the GraphQL space is. That I can use SWR, I can use Apollo, right. I can switch those things. I'm right. still using GraphQL at the end of the day. Right, so right, right, locking right. into a client was kind of like, yeah, this just isn't for me. Right. Uh, the other thing was GraphQL codegen, which um, I ended up using, but like kind of the path to get there was like a lot of ups and downs. In that, like, I didn't want to use it at first. In fact. Uh, we had used it on a previous project, mm-hmm. consulting project. And I remember having a really bad experience with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so GraphQL code they have this awesome blog post that's like GraphQL and types over the years. And they talk about like, at the very beginning, um, you would just write all the types in your app. Like I want to use TypeScript with GraphQL. So I'm just going to like, I know my GraphQL server is going to respond with like a post with ID and title. So I'm just going to write like literally interface post, mm-hmm. ID number, uh, title string in my app. And then I'm going to pass that around. Like when I get data back from my GraphQL client, I'm just going to say as post. And so now I get that type information. Uh, the next kind of thing. Like, and that's, that's like, like
0: a duplicate source of truth,
1: basically. Yeah. Because it yeah. could
0: fall out of sync with the source of tr- actual source of truth, which is the database schema.
1: Yeah. The GraphQL server. GraphQL server. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's also, you just have to maintain it, right? It's like a lot of work to maintain those. Like for something like a remember, sir, gives us all these bunch of stuff. And so I can't, I can't, I just, I can't type that fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the next idea was basically generating those types automatically. So that's like the first phase. The second phase is in a few years later, generating those types automatically, uh, from a schema. So I have a schema, I can just generate the post type automatically. And then you run a command, run a command. Exactly. And then inside of uh, my code, whenever I'm working with a post, I'll just say as post and, and it's nice. It's kept up to date. The only downside there is that I have to write as post everywhere, right? I have to like lie, about my types. I have to type cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really easy to miss one of those. Got you. Just, it adds a lot of boilerplate and it's like human boilerplate. Right. So then the next phase, and I think this is when like GraphQL coaching got really popular, or at least this is like kind of my takeaway from exploring this was we're going to take your GraphQL schema and we're going to take any queries you write in your app. And then we have a set of known GraphQL clients. Like we know about Apollo, we know about react query, um, it's a whole bunch of GraphQL clients. We know about Vue, Apollo, all these things. We're going to take all the queries you write, and we're going to generate hooks that will map to your queries. Oh, interesting. So this was what we used on the consulting project. That's right. That's right. So if, right, I, so if right. I write a query called all blog posts, mm-hmm. and right. uh, there it will be a hook, a hook, use all blog posts that basically... And it knows we're using Apollo. So we have like, we load an Apollo plugin. Right. And so it's gonna do the Apollo query, return any errors, return the data. Right. And uh, the nice thing about this is it's typed all the way through. So I'm not lying about types anywhere. I'm not making up types. Right. It it knows that it's a post query. It's gonna give me a use post hook. Since it's generating that use post hook, it can just assign the the return value and the type. So that. as long
0: as that's the only interface with which you interact with the GraphQL server, the generator hooks, then you yep. have type safety from the boundaries, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So this, um, I know in, like, my experience using this, um, we would get, like, we ran into problems where, like, one component would define a, a, a all post query, and then another component would define an all post query, and they right. would just clash, right. and it was hard to figure out sorry, the answer here from, from a lot of people are like, you shouldn't be defining queries at a component level, just have, have a queries folder that has like all posts in it. So, you know, you only ever have one, but for us at we're, we're, we're like, I like starting a project, being in one file, exactly. uh, I think a lot of people that were making this argument, um, were basically like, I work on a big team. I want to control all the queries that are, like this was like a feature to them where right. I would look at this as like, this is just too much work for yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it makes sense too. like, if you have a bigger app,
0: you're going to have, you want to share queries, but yeah, the co-location of uh, queries with the component was one of the like touted benefits in the original release of GraphQL. So just like we would start a new app in one file, we, we did just do that and we would write buttons and duplicate them until we needed to um, there was more pain from the duplication than abstraction. We wouldn't abstract a button in a components folder until then. I also wouldn't want to abstract like an all post query
1: into a folder until then,
0: until I needed it, until yeah. there was some motivation for it.
1: When I write that all, all all post query, it's like that is a query I'm writing for this component right here. I don't want it to be globally available. Exactly. And so exactly. starting it off on the globally available thing. It's, it's just, just yeah. Yeah. And again, type of apps we work on. This is like this is the approach we want to take. Yeah, apps. I mean I
0: think I, I would even be strong I think I would even word it stronger than that because I think co-location is important for maintainability of apps because in a in a setup like Ember or Rails where they originally had the global folders you the file system doesn't give you any indication about what is should be used and shared and therefore we're it's okay to like introduce new coupling versus where it's not. Whereas in like a a modern app, like a react app that lets you co-locate things like components. um, It's good because it's basically letting you put more things into private API effectively. If I'm writing a new page in the blog and there's some CSS that I see on the customer's page, I'm not going to reach in to do it just because I'm not going to do it. But if there's a global style sheet with those, Oh, I could just use those too. Now you've introduced coupling. You have
1: made it harder to refactor. You've basically have more public API service area. So you definitely you lose the relationship between all these, between your GraphQL queries and your components. Exactly. For sure, for sure. Exactly. Um, kind of like another thing here is like the, uh, the auto generation of hooks feels a little strange. Um, if i have a use use like all users hook i might have a query in there and then i might have some like other code that runs right making my use all users hook just be a wrapper around a graphql query just kind of adds a lot of hooks and then like i might end up like importing a bunch of those hooks Combine composing them into a new hook. Right. There's just a lot of naming right. here, a right. lot of hooks like that. This is the kind of stuff that like I try to keep out of my code base. Yeah. But this is just like this is just a me thing. Yeah. No. No. Um, no. I think that's I, I think that's
0: totally reasonable. I feel the same way too. Like, um, also things that it always feels like things that are auto-generated. You're doing it for the sake of the computer, because why is that not just an API that you call? As opposed to like a new function that's that is written for you and and then invoked by you, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. You would think if 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 all it takes is the computer to generate a a hook, a function called get all episodes, you'd think, and that's because you have a query called all episodes. You'd think you'd just be able to call something from the library and pass in a key of all episodes. Doesn't feel like you you know what I'm
1: saying? It feels strange that you have to
0: generate code and then call that generated code.
1: Yeah, I think this is a way, like what I'm talking about here is a way to get it to compose with like Apollo's use query hook. Yeah. So it creates a new hook called like use all yeah. users that then calls use query with your all users query. Yeah. I think if you're using like purely like GraphQL requests, you yeah. can combine them into a new interface that's like client dot all users yeah stuff like that so yeah uh, yeah but again it's like it's, it's just tra- it's strange and, yeah um just again that's like a taste thing yeah and, but it's just the kind of stuff like and and also too like i am probably jaded by this project we worked on where there were a million of yeah. these things and it was impossible to debug yeah. and it was it also slowed down the
0: workflow like yeah. you actually would type a new query save it and then you'd have to wait for the all the stuff the editor stuff. would go red yeah and, Then it would would work a couple seconds later. It's like
1: very, very painful to work in that kind of environment. So I think they called in, in GraphQL code Gen's blog post this, this auto generating hooks, auto generating code was, I think this was like the 2020 version. I love that this is uh, not the end of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) Because I, I thought this was the end and I was like, I don't want to use GraphQL code gen, you know, but, but there were some awesome answers here. So, uh, they have kind of like the next evolution of this is, is this thing called a type document node. And before I go into that, let's, let's talk about what a document node is. So when you write that GQL query, like when you do like GQL backtick in your GraphQL code, a uh, GraphQL tag is going to return a document node. It's like a data structure that represents your GraphQL query. And like, there's like benefits to this, like it's easy to parse and inspect. And you know, it has all the information about your query. Like, imagine if you just had a string, it's easy to send a string to the server, but like to do any sort of like introspection on that, you'd have to like parse it, parse it. Basically it like, parses a GraphQL query yeah, and exactly. puts it into like a, an a data, data structure. structure. A yeah. data structure. So that's exactly what a document node is. Cool. Okay. But, but document the, the GQL type is basically document node. Okay. So it doesn't know the difference.
0: Between a document node that has all users query and a create subscription mutation. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what type document node does is type document node, it's GraphQL code gen. um, It scans your project, finds all your GraphQL queries, and then creates a, a, a file with all their types. And so if I have a GraphQL query called all users, I now have a type in my project called I think by default it's called all users document mm-hmm. one of the things I did is I renamed it to all users mm-hmm. so the name of my query in the sorry I said type it's actually a javascript object with type information so so type document node takes all your gql queries creates the actual document node data structures in a file with type information so if I had a query called all users I could import all users from import type all users from uh, no, no, I could, oh. it's an actual job. Oh, okay, object. it's an object. So I would write query all users, and then I could import all users from like my GraphQL queries. Gotcha. It's just an auto-generated yeah, yeah, file. Yeah. And then um, part of type document node is they give you a bunch of TypeScript utilities, which are like those TypeScript helper functions, like, like pick and omit, you know, the things we've used. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two that are really cool are uh, variables of and result of. Oh, cool! And they take a type document node. Oh, so cool. I can do variables of nice uh, all users, and it will tell me exactly what all users are. And I can do um, result of all users, and it will tell me exactly what the result of the all users query should be. And this is like the beauty of GraphQL is cool. type, yeah. So I wired this into SWR, and I, I I tweeted this, and it's like it's like I have a generic that's the document node. And then I do like, you know, I have like T extends document node. And then this function now returns result of T and mm-hmm. one of as, as its second parameter, it takes variables of T mm. and that's it. Now all my SWR all use query, uh, is all typed. Wow. Yeah. So it's really cool. That's crazy. Really cool. Um, I'm just gonna, there's one more layer here. So I, I was so impressed with this. I tweeted this, and someone that works at I think it's like the Guild is the name of the company that maintains GraphQL Cogen. Someone replied, and they said, we're working on this thing, um, a new preset um, where you don't have to import Import the the thing from the file. So this was... This was that would be awesome. So right now the workflow is basically you set this thing up, and well, I, I okay, okay. go. yeah okay. So he uh, he showed me this code, and I got this wired, and it's it's the same idea, but instead of um, importing, it's, it's freaking genius. So instead of importing a JavaScript object that's typed that you can now pass to like your use query thing, so that you can get the result of it. What they do is they override your GQL function and they override your GQL function and they say, when your GQL function is called Mm -hmm. with your all users query, it's going to return all users. When your GQL function is called with your all post query, it's going to return. When do they do this? How do they do this? They do it at build. So there's like a code gen. So it's still a GraphQL code gen. So there's still a code gen step. So... But, How so do this, they do the swap? I mean, do you import GQL from something else? You yeah, you import GQL from my lib, my you import GQL from a file. That was generated by generator. Okay, so gotcha. Okay. But for me, I had just have that alias to like GraphQL. Yeah, so I yeah, import yeah. Got you. Not GraphQL, I have it like at libGraphQL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So I import GQL from from uh, the generated file. From the generated file. And then based off which query I'm passing to it they just know the return type. So there's how? no, they cause, just, cause that, that, GraphQL. if we open up that file, that file, it's literally, you know how you can like overload type. Yeah. So you're like when, f- when full name is type of, when full name is called, called with Ryan, it's return yes. type is Ryan. When full yep. name is called with Sam. It's and they've parsed the type.
0: document notes. So they know the name of it in the beginning. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So
1: it's like you're importing one GQL file, but it's like, it has a, it's types are like almost like when it's called with this, this is its type when it's called. That, with this, this, Yeah. This yeah. Type. got you. And that's why
0: they need to generate it because there's no way to write a generic in typescript that like parses a template string and then returns a data structure based
1: on that. So I'm like, I, I that'd be crazy. Yeah. I, this is like one of those things that's above my pay grade and like yeah. the back of my head, I'm like someone, someone, someone can figure this I mean, out. Can right? you
0: even do like,
1: yeah, you can see,
0: TypeScript can see if you pass in, like, Sam or Ryan. Can it see if you pass in, like, 0, 1, 2, and then can you, like, split by comma and do different things? You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you can. can say
1: you can say when this is called with 0, 1, and 2, this is a return type. Yeah, but you can't do, like, so literally arbitrary. S- like, this
0: is going to be called with, like, a, a string that's, like, number, comma, number, and I'm going to return, like, the split of string and then it's going to be oh, like a tuple oh. with whatever you put in as the first and the, whatever you put in as a, that's a level of generic gen- generic g- generality like you would need. You need, exactly. You need, you need it's, to actually, it's a gen- exactly. It's based on the thing you pass in, but the thing you pass in is so complicated because it needs to be parsed by a GraphQL parser in order to even be made, turned into a document. node. Yeah. So that's like why they run the generator, but it would be interesting in theory. You should be able to do this all at runtime. As you said in Slack, you were like me me as a programmer, a human, I can look at this query and know exactly what I get back without any intermediate steps. So in theory, you should be able to do this. Look at the query, look at the schema, and exactly I can tell you what I get back, right? Exactly. Right, right. So there shouldn't have to be any intermediate artifacts, but obviously there's
1: limitations to how powerful generics are. So it might also just be easier to like yeah, just to do. like generate all the types and then overload the GQL function. Right with all the different queries right. that can be called. But um, anyway, so you were going to say, so So that's what, okay, so that's what it is. That's the end so that's of what I it. ended up with. So yeah. there's no change to how we write GraphQL. You still create a variable with GQL, and then you pass that variable into useSWR. And the, the arguments are typed too? Yep, arguments are typed. And the return value
0: is going to be the full document node. And you don't have to import anything different. You just wow, that's, that's crazy, dude! It, it's, it is awesome. That so, is awesome. So if you, I want to try it, if you I have a required, in my fitness app,
1: yeah, totally. If you have a required variable that you miss, yeah. Like, and also, this is really hard with a because you know how a SUR has like update by PK. Yeah. And then you pass like they a have some weird names. Set, and yep. then you have to like give it the yes. PK you're updating by. Yes. Reasons for all this, but as a human, it's just hard to remember these. Yes. Um, that just just. Wow. Get the red squigglies, fix it, fix Man, it. I love yeah. to hear it. That's really cool. This is beta code you're using or like So I th- I think from like this GitHub discussion, uh, this what I just described. Um that final stage is the la- is the- is what graphql code gen wants to move to mm. because i think there's like some benefits for them like mm-hmm. you can use this with any graphql client mm-hmm. where before they had to know you're using right, graphql right, right, and, right, and, and, right. And, and apollo and that, or yeah, SWR no, yeah, or whatever yeah what I mean. they, they had didn't... to know you're using apollo and then they had to write like a code generator for apollo there was like an swr code generator but it wasn't official and mm-hmm. i don't know how who maintains it, how well it's maintained. Mm-hmm. So um, being able to use the types, it's also like, that's dope, it's just dude. easier. Like I have types with my queries and I can get the types back from my queries. I don't have to generate a hook. I don't have to generate runtime code. I can just use the types. Right. Um, yeah, which was awesome. And that's then dope. as a last step, um, I set up Zod. So, oh. so this was a bit, this was cool. I didn't actually get to like, It's hard for me to imagine a use case uh, when this would have saved me, but I I have this uh, and it was really fun to set up. So I take the GraphQL schema from Hasura and I um, generate, uh, sorry, GraphQL cogen takes the schema and generates a whole bunch of types. It overloads those GQL queries, but also types everything in your GraphQL schema. And then I take all of the uh, queries and mutations, all the types from the queries and mutations, and I create Zod schemas from those. So Zod schemas are like um, it's it's it just says like I have a JavaScript object and it should have a first name that's a string. And with Zod you can get like you can go really far. You can say I have a first name that's a string that's between three and twenty characters, and you know. But for just mm-hmm. for GraphQL doesn't. Provide that level of granularity right. to a string, so it's just I have a first name that's a string. Right. Uh, that Zod schema uh, you can then run at runtime, so it's almost like a validation object. Mm-hmm. So I mean, an SWR middleware that anytime it sends out a query or mutation. Oh wow! It, I a was a just pot- thinking, where would you do this? Well, I originally did it in use query. Yeah, but then I was like, man, now I got to use this all everywhere. Use, use mutation because this is like the Elm thing where you want. You want the, the boundary
0: You want the boundary so that when your your data is in your system, you know you're you, not working with anything that's weird. right. Use query is a pretty good boundary. You can't make a query without use query. No, but you could get data back from your server that you don't want to deal with. Well that, but that would come back through use query. so that would be like use query. but that's why the middleware is nice.: Yeah, the middleware yeah, that's is what I was nice thinking. Thing. Yeah. So so anyway, I moved it to a middleware. So right, use query is the first time you touch the network. You would do something right after that, but this is this is even better because right. the, yeah, now you have it in use
1: query and use yeah, mutation yes. anything that invokes your fetcher. Yeah. So yeah um, yeah yeah, so when a query goes out, it knows what the query is, um, and when the query comes back, it validates the response against the Zod schema, and if first name whatever changed from a string to a number and you didn't update your types zod will will throw and say hey i had a schema for a user and i thought Mm -hmm. first name was going to be a string and it's not right and so you need to deal with this that's cool and my error my error message is you probably forgot to update your type yeah go (laughs) go redownload your schema and get into the project right 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 Um, interesting that's pretty cool yeah um
0: i'm surprised that it works so easily with like the generated thing too like it's nice composition story that it works with the result of the resulting types from CodeGen. Normally you would just integrate it at the lower, like in the first level, right? Like if you were just adding Zod to a project that used GraphQL with GraphQL request, you know what I'm saying? Um, But the fact that it works with the CodeGen
1: side of it too. The CodeGen generates the types yeah, and then there's a project that does like typescript to, so zod, use, to is, zod okay okay got you and got that's you. why i had to got add. you got you got you right, um, right, got you cool. it's it's funny most people that use zod are actually going the other way they write their like their form validation logic yeah in zod yeah and then they're like oh it'd be nice if i had types and it's like there's there's uh you can just do like z dot infer right from zod to typescript got you got um, you but i was going the other way because i had the types from, from Yeah, yeah yeah now, the, the funny thing is, is like most of the time, like uh, my GraphQL schema, I think I haven't run into an issue where like the Zod would have saved me. Yeah, because. But, but I think I can contrive a few issues. So it'll be fun to see now that this is set up. Like, where well, you
0: breaks. can also add, you can also correct me if I'm wrong, but with Zod, you can add uh, more sophisticated requirements that go beyond. GraphQL types. Yes, you can. GraphQL is primitive types, and then you can make your own types, like a movie or whatever, and then you can say, you know, an actor has many movies, and like their actor.movies property is an array of my movie types. But ultimately, they boil down to the primitives that are in GraphQL. Which, are, in, which are simple. Right. Simple, so like, string from, number, Boolean. Right. Whereas Zod, you could say, like the project we're working on at work, you could say oh, this is a quote that's like of type one and it needs an author. This is a quote of type two and it needs a statistic. And you can't really encode that. Like if you're quote type one, you have to have an author. Whereas if you're quote type two, you have to have a statistic. You can't really encode that into GraphQL type. If they both have like quote type and like author and statistic. And it's like, you can do that in TypeScript. Where you'd say, if this is one, then statistic is a never and author is a string. If this is two, author is a never and statistic is right, a number. Right, or something right. like that. So you can do that in Zod. Right. And so that's where it could save you in the sense of like, let's say you're editing the data in your backend and you have like an invalid video. Like your video is like of type lesson, but it doesn't belong to a series. And like for whatever reason you can't encode that in a database because in the database series ID is nullable because not all lessons belong to a series,
1: but if it's type lesson, it has to. Right. Right. So you could do that in Zod. Right. And it would catch something like that. Right. I, yes, you can. I think this kind of going full circle here brings us back to like the original, how do we get types in GraphQL? Yeah. And now you're writing those things yourself. And so what if like your database validations change? Like what's the source of truth? Well, that's like a layer.
0: It's like a business layer on top of the, root types so i wonder if like you still would want if like episode id series id is nullable then like zod should know that already but then if you say something else oh if series id if, you can create your own business you, logic, yeah 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 but yeah. that's
1: something like that's different you have that's, to you write would, you would do that after right. the dot layer to, yeah or maybe i would have just have a middleware that says yeah. hey anytime i get back a a, a lesson query uh-huh. From GraphQL, uh-huh. like validate it against the Zod lesson streamer uh-huh. schema, which has a whole bunch of our business logic. But that can't be from from what I was doing. Like, I want to just auto generate everything. I didn't want to write anything by hand. So, you, so. oh, okay. So, your Zod's, okay. So, yeah, that feels like what
0: would be a scenario where, where that would save you? Because if it's literally auto generated so from your types, someone changes.
1: So, you, yeah, you don't you, update you, the schema. You, exactly. So you're okay. working on, you're working, and I just go into GraphQL. Yeah the GraphQL server you're querying and I start changing types you're like going to be downloading my types are a lie yeah exactly at that point yeah so your types are a lie so you get no feedback in your editor right but all of a sudden your javascript starts blowing up and says right cannot call um uppercase." uppercase well I guess
0: there you would before you merge you would make sure
1: you download the latest
0: schema oh but it could be after you deploy yeah, 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 So you could, when you, I was throw. thinking when you, de- when you merge, when you PR and you're ready to deploy, part of the test is CI would download the latest schema from Hasura, run type check, and your GraphQL code generator plus Zod would catch anything that if your template, if your render function said person.firstname and it became person.name. So that would be okay. Mm-hmm. But if you deploy that and then you change first name to name at runtime, you're going to start having runtime errors. But if you have Zod there, if you didn't have Zod there, like there's no TypeScript at runtime, right? right. So so that, that wouldn't help you and you'd have an error somewhere. But if you had Zod,
1: you could set up an error handler for a Zod validation that didn't pass. If the thing is, if you change first name to name... The GraphQL server would catch that before you even got to Zod. Oh, the, right. The query level, that would get caught. So well, like, let's just say you say, yeah. You say first Nullable. Name. Nullable. Yeah,
0: that's a good Nullable. One. Nullable. And it's a never, it's, a never, it's, ne- it's always a Boolean, or some, it's always a number, but now it can be null. And so you're calling like two int on it. And so you make it nullable. Your types are not there at runtime, so that doesn't help you. But you have Zod there now, which gives you like a, an, an error at that level,
1: and you would know right away that I'm about to bring this out right. I'm about to bring this data into my app through through an SWR GraphQL query and you told me that it's always that going to be a number it's always going to be a number and guess what right. it came back null right. and so you need to deal with this and it's really nice that you actually get the error yeah. right there because otherwise think about how that error shows up it flows oh yeah that null flows yeah. down through a few components and then one of your leaf components just just explodes but, with, yeah no, totally. could, could not call what what's a what's a number function Could not two add. or oh, yeah, right, right. something like that Two string is non, non. whatever <laughs> parson
0: no 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 that's actually uh, it's what you want because you have two apps and so just cuz you've deployed um or you have services really it's you have your app which is always going to be you, it's always going to be in line with the types in it like in our code base it's always one app that's deployed as a single app but since we're talking to a database server, it's basically like uh, what would happen if you change the schema? And I mean, what happens when you start a Rails app and you connect to a database schema? Like you can make an alter table statement. Yeah. And if you did, your Rails app would start blowing up because when yep. you boot up a Rails app, it reads the schema at boot time and generates the active record stuff mm-hmm. and it knows what's available. And if you did an alter table statement to SQL after the Rails app had started, you need to restart the Rails app. But I'm sure this has happened where someone yeah. didn't, right? There was, a, there was Rails apps running on Heroku. And I mean, there's all the zero downtime deploy stuff, right? This is effectively the same thing. It's just that people aren't going in and changing the schema to SQL as willy nilly as maybe people do when they log into their planet scale or their contentful or their Hasura and just add a field or whatever. But it's the same idea where it would actually be nice if uh, in Rails if you knew, oh, you just made a request to, you know, user dot all and uh I can't read this in I can't hydrate these active record models because the data coming back from this server is like not what I expect. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you just, you, you want, you want whether it's Rails it, it's or boundary. JavaScript, you want yeah. the error right there. Yeah, exactly. I can't hydrate this. Exactly. I can't put this data into the system. What you don't want is you don't want, yeah. I'm just going to put this data in and just let yeah. it flow through yeah. a few components, and then, yeah, one of them might blow up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's good, man. That's good.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a principle that keeps coming up over and over again. Yeah. It's the same with the types. It's just, yeah, you want to look like at a little bomb shelter and all the stuff there boom you know exactly Bomb that's, shelter. that's uh you don't want to have to worry about that that's pretty cool
1: yeah it's something where i do want to uh i had some questions like should i actually run a, a zod validation here in production because once my code's in production i don't want it to like blow up in front of a user at that layer like well I maybe mean, it, but that's it the should thing. maybe it should try to flow through there's a user, chance it will just be like a
0: it'll show up as like a uh undefined yeah like yeah UI exactly. it shows up
1: undefined yeah, like literally like a false or an undefined gets rendered yeah verse, but verse. maybe you
0: get a warning
1: you log it and then you let it keep yeah. going and see if it can recover yeah so like in development you, yeah. you actually throw and get that yeah that error modal yeah but then yeah in, in production so the other
0: like, the other approach here would be basically the rails approach which is yeah no one sure you can ssh into your server connect to your sql server and then run an alter table statement and yeah that'll blow up your rails app but that's like not rails's fault what normally you do is you have your Rails server and your code base when you make a change you do it from the Rails side so the rails is actually code base is actually the source of truth and if you want to change the database the way you the way another programmer knows if programmer a has changed something is that there's new code in the same way they know there's new code yeah so the Code becomes the source of truth yep. for the database. This is how you could solve it here. Whereas instead of opening up Hasura and making a change, you start from the code and you like basically ish, you basically create migrations from yeah. within your app. And, and you Hasura, can do that. Hasura, and supports Hasura, Hasura has a workflow yeah.
1: that's like when you're working on like a big production app with multiple that, people. Yeah, like this is a, a workflow you should use. Yeah, I think what you said is absolutely correct. But at the end of the day, like there's more and more services more right. and more people using contentful right. and all it takes is just someone to go and anyone to go into content i mean think about contentful yep. made for like marketing people not programmers yep. someone goes in there and renames a field yep and your code base has generated types that are right. now a lie i mean right. it's they're kind alive. of funny yep. that as soon as you generate your types they're, they're out of stale of date. they're stale yeah potentially stale yep. yeah potentially stale yep
0: um, i know i was thinking about that it's almost like you want to like grab them at runtime every second yeah (laughs) yeah you can imagine like uh grabbing you can imagine at least grabbing them at runtime instead of generating them so when you start your app you hit the server you read them into memory and then that's what you're using um or like a temp file could be it's effectively from the program's perspective it's memory so if i restart my server npm run dev
1: i'm getting the latest from the graphql server so this is this good segue because um when i wired all this up i'm not running GraphQL code gen on every file save i Mm. just have a command that generates it it. once but that means that if the database changes or if i just edit a query remember all like the Uh, the gql uh, 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 is overloaded based on my query so if i edit a query i have to rerun it which is which is obviously like not ideal i want this to be auto run yeah but this kind of introduces something. It's like now you're running next, and now what we're also gonna, I guess we're going to run GraphQL code gen. as like a side process. Yeah, that watches. They have like a watch mode. Yeah. So just what we're just going to run like like npm run dev is going to be npm run parallel right. next dev right. and right. GraphQL code gen. All. Yeah. Yeah. There's an npm all. project. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's an npm package, so that lets you run multiple npm <laughs> yep.
0: packages. <laughs> this this is the kind of stuff that yeah like, i don't like it's it's I don't if like it slows it. down if yeah. you're coding and just trying to paint it's a real bummer if yeah. that if you for whatever you know like when we were coding last night in the new site you're just in a flow and you want to alt tab and if you ever alt tab you don't see it and you come back and you realize you did it a little bit too fast because there was some generated thing that was asynchronously
1: happening after you saved it that's like you yeah. never want that to happen also too it's just pretty like, bad just like Next.js is so ridiculous. Like, before I I, I command S yeah. to save, and before my eyes can, like, even move from the browser, from the code window to the browser, like, Next.js is already hot reloading I know. everything. It's so, insane. Like, I, if there's, like, wait, did it reload I know. or any of that, like, that's, yeah, that's a non Yeah, so. I agree.
0: It's, it's interesting. Well, you know, you could do it where... Um... If, like, you only... Edit... You could do it, like, at, at the CI level or something... I feel like there's a way to use this if you wanted to to make sure. I guess the benefit of the typings are during development. Yeah. Um, people,
1: when I when I raise this, uh, some people said, "Look, you're." I feel like you should not, be. Able- you're not editing GraphQL statements enough yeah. for it to matter. And part of me it was like, some, <laughs> some yeah. made a comment that said, "It's not that big of a deal. It only takes like 20 seconds to generate." Oh my god! <laughs> just, now, if you got what, what I would prefer, actually,
0: is. Um, you edit, the, you edit the GraphQL statement and you get a little red underline and then you have to go to your terminal and say gen types or npm run gen and then once the red underline goes away, boom. And that way, when you're doing CSS and all this stuff and React, you're not worrying about it but you get feedback that you have something out of date. Yeah. So maybe there's a way to do that.
1: Yeah, it might be nice to have like... Um,
0: vs code the watcher like. could not necessarily run the generator right away it could just let you know that's like what I would want I guess somehow let you know I guess it would have to generate
1: things I don't mind if the watcher always runs if it's if it's out of my way if it's like deleting yeah. files and changing time yeah, yeah and exactly, VS code exactly. is like picking up the deleted file yeah. But- in in my, Experience. you know, kind of two days of yeah. experimenting, it was fine. And okay. it was way faster than when it, we were doing it to doing generate the hooks. Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. But th- this is a thing where, like, in my notes to do, yeah. I have, like, figured really out a so way to, like, auto-run this. Yeah. And in a way that's also, too, like, I love that I can run um, NPM run dev in yeah. any next project. Yeah. And if I start seeing yeah. code gen and other stuff. Totally. Again, it goes kind of just back to, like, what we were talking about earlier like i know that totally works for some people but for me i just like simple convention of
0: configuration stick with the stuff um we've seen so many apps where you come back in and this little thing that you added is now causing problems it's little paper cuts man there's little friction they they, they really suck you only need like four or five of them to like shoot your day down like you were going to make this change and now it's like oh you know there was this little thing that you did, or even like you're on the wrong Node version. There's no Node version, so you don't know. Oh man, how long does that take you to figure it out? Uh, you know, it's flow. It's flow. It's 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 some experimental feature doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it's just you don't want. We don't want any of that in our projects. It's it, important. It makes it matters to developers. You know,
1: it's all tabbing.
0: Yeah, going to Twitter. Yeah, exactly. It's
1: just the the
0: the flow yeah. of just and Banging the way out code yeah, is it's, like, it's, just it's, don't get in the way. Of you're that. like hundred X more productive. Yeah. And the way to do that is to stick with like the defaults as much as possible. You know, cool. I, I think that's like a, a good place to wrap this up. I was wondering if we we're gonna have time to talk about, um, TRPC more because, um, I've, now that we've had some experience with TypeScript, I've looked at that, this guy, Theo on Twitter and, uh, YouTube really likes it. And, um, our buddy Hassan has has talked about that too. He was telling me he had kind of one of his rants about why he doesn't like Hasura. And we like using Hasura a lot. And I think it had more to do with like mapping your API to your database one-to-one is like not the best thing. Uh, Hasura does offer some abstractions there if you need to do that, if you need to hide things from the front end. We've done that before. But I was more interested in talking about it from the typescript dx perspective you know so maybe we can talk about that next time um but i love that like uh your approach is exactly how i would approach it too which is like basically weren't interested in like adding typescript to our these side projects of ours um and apps that, that we run on the side like until it basically didn't really cost that much in dx you know
1: yeah well i want the dx benefit. You want the DX basically be the same yeah do the autocomplete
0: autocomplete is awesome. awesome well not not the same better but right. for no cost right. no trade-off right. in terms of now you have to import this thing every time and add these type exactly. annotations blah 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 so this is pretty cool that you ended up with a solution that's like uh like it's a what's the functional
1: programming term trans referentially tra- yeah. transparent yeah. <laughs> yeah it is the pr is cool because like that the only thing that changed the app was, code is the, like the same the, the app import. code is the same it's just the the generics and use query using like result of and variables of and and Um, and getting that TypeScript generated file—that's the GQL overloads. But yeah, yeah, I I like it, and you know, I think just we'll see. We'll see what I say in six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think it's cool. So that's awesome. Cool, man. Great job breaking that down. That was neat to hear the
0: history of that. And I just, you know, it's like Redux, man. I just, I was happy to watch from the sidelines and not getting into any of that. So I never did any of those early painful typescript things, but that's, that's really cool. And it sounds like the team is maintaining that is like doing a really good job of communicating and like, and keeping so. it up to date and stuff. So that's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.